0: What's going on, everyone? We're back because we're the prodigals. The prodigals. You. Um, welcome to the prodigals podcast where we talk about all kinds of topics relating to faith and culture. Yes, we discuss topics not normally preached on the pulpit or talked about during Bible studies. And that is why we are here for you. So, we have another Table Talks episode for you guys, and it's a doozy. Um, As the title suggests, we will be discussing the question, what used to work but doesn't anymore?
1: Table Talks.
0: We believe it's an important question um, to just ask ourselves because it helps us to be aware of why we're doing what we're doing. As a church, and what sort of things we should focus our energy and resources on, so so that we have effective and efficient ministries. So I guess like the first, uh, like a good way of starting this conversation would be to ask: Is there anything wrong with changing approaches or methodology?
2: Uh, well, I mean, there's that adage, right? If it ain't broke, why, why, why fix it, right? Um, yeah. So, that's, I mean, context definitely plays a huge part into, you know, changing approaches, right? If you're if 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 it's the most effective way of getting things done, then yeah, keep keep going. Why? I mean, I guess there are people that will change just for the sake of change, yeah, just for something that's new. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things that are involved with changing it, which is like, I guess we're going to s- discuss a little bit further on, but yeah, like there's yeah. nothing wrong with changing approaches as long as it, you know, you find yourself not satisfied with sort of the results, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't make sense that you keep going and expect, you know, different results when you're you're mm-hmm. still doing the same things over and over again. Insanity. Yeah. It is,
0: yeah. Yeah. because like um, yeah, if a certain treatment on a sick patient doesn't work, like, do you continue the course <laughs> or do you find ways, other ways to attack the mm-hmm. illness from another angle yeah. or method, right? Yeah. Um, so, as long as it's not working, like the things that you were doing in the past are not working anymore, then there's nothing wrong. But as you said, like, some people just go, just change for the sake of changing. <sighs> Uh, and that's not a good excuse mm. or a good way to change and what I would add is, as long as you research first and not do things for the sake of uh, yeah, others are doing this or look at elevation or look at hill song, uh, they are doing this um, then as long as you're not doing that uh and you're doing things you're researching things and uh contextualizing to your own local um, what's going on in your local area then, um, then I think there's nothing wrong with that and as long as what you're doing is not compromising any biblical principles then there's nothing wrong with mm. it
2: I want to say something that might sound like I'm just contradicting myself
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: go
2: ahead man. You're- I kind of do it a lot anyways uh, on the flip side Right, uh, like I said, I don't see anything wrong with just keeping the way it is if you're if you're if' you're, if it's good, having said that, I also understand the need to like try different things, new things that opens up new possibilities that you've never that you've never considered. The way that I would rationalize that I'm not contradicting myself is that there is something that's still wrong in the in the notion that there's a reason why you're still, why you want to search for something else that, that's new and open up to a different new possibility, right? So I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I'm not. Because, yeah, you, there's, there is something that's probably wrong that you're sensing that there's something wrong that, that drives you to, to do something different that, that allows us to think differently about you know, a particular ministry or a, a particular approach to a certain topic or a certain situation. Because something's just not working for you in the way that it probably should,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: even though it's good for everybody else, even though like the results are are acceptable for everybody else.
0: So. Yeah. For example, if you're like, if you're a pastor and you get assigned to like this random uh, rural area, like deep into farm country, and your members are like sixty and above, like you shouldn't just change um <laughs> methods for the sake of uh, just changing methods i think like you should come up with like what's acceptable and like how like how to yeah i think you should include everyone in your decision making process and like what's acceptable to people who are a part of your membership and then um see what's going to work in that region and
1: area yeah I uh, pretty much agree to the vast majority of what everyone here is saying. Um, it, it, I think it's really contextual, the context that's super important, right? So, like, if this church has been doing something for, for doing something in a particular way and everyone in the whole church is benefiting from that and growing, then there might not necessarily be uh, a need for further changes, right? Um, but if there is a particular method in which a church has been Im- implicating, but but there has been a decline, not in membership, not talking about membership numbers, but a decline in growth, spiritual growth in the members, then that's something you need to assess. Like, okay, so if this this method did not work, and if we're doing approaching it this way, what is a what's a different approach so that we can get to feeding? our our church uh, and contributing to the growth of our church. And I think in those instances, like that's important to consider, like, yeah, like to, to make changes. Um, and I, there's this quote from, um, I don't know if it's from, it's, it's not from scripture. It is from Albert Einstein uh, and he was defining insanity as something that you do over and over again, the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, but it just ends up being the same result. And I think that's the, the web that uh, I want. I don't want people to be caught up in. Um, but evidently, uh, I guess like throughout time, um, there will be modifications. I wouldn't say that's different. I, I would say that's a bit different from changing approaches. I would say that that just be like, yeah, you're modifying the approach. Yeah, tweaking isn't
2: changing tweaking, necessarily. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Changing so, approaches. It's just adapting. exactly. So I think that I think that that also is something that each church kind of needs to be a little bit more flexible in, right? So let's say if, you know, like the you know, using projectors. Um, maybe that makes it easier for people to really understand the structure of the church. All right. Let's do that. What if projectors are distraction? All right, let's take it down. <laughs> like, like you're tweaking here and there, you know? And it's okay. And I think what's important in that process is to have the whole church be involved in that too, being vulnerable. Like, hey, we want to make transitions in this church. We want to make transitions to this group. Uh we wanna we want we wanna be able to feed everyone here. We want to be able to support everyone here and we need to do that together. Uh, And we want to see what works and what doesn't work. And we want to grow in this together. So I think the vulnerability between like the leaders and membership, if that's something that needs to be changed, like, yeah, vulnerability is super important there.
3: Yeah. So my response is uh, no, there's nothing wrong because then you won't know any better if you don't try other things. Mm. And especially during this time, It's a perfect way to step back away from church because when you're so involved, you don't see any gaps. So by taking a step away from it, yes, you can see the gaps, what needs to be done. Um, uh, You know, there's also nothing wrong with changing approaches. Um, And I think this is what everyone's been saying. As long as it logically and systematically makes sense with what you're trying to change it to. So we have to know what the why is. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Don't, don't change your approach if you're just getting bored. Mm -hmm. Um, But change it because you're evaluating, you're evaluating what's going right Mm -hmm. and what's not going right.
1: Yep. And I'm glad that you like pointed that out because like, it's, it's important to do that, like to make the changes uh, respective to that group of people that you're trying to like that group of people. Cause let's say if like, you, you have this group of people and uh, this particular way works or maybe doesn't work, but then you compare yourself to maybe like a, a, a big mega church, like elevation or Hillsong. And you try to implement that into your church. Then it, I, it, you, and you're going to try to base the success rate based on that. And then yours, I think that's yeah. just going to cause a lot of trouble in the church. Uh, a lot of having to conform to the rest of the other churches around it. That's not the point of like church. Uh, and, and just because that, because that, their method works for that church doesn't mean their method will work for our church. Mm. And it's, you got to just figure out your own thing and everyone, every population of people, whether it just being only Filipino or being like big, as diverse uh, as possible, like every set of group, every group every church needs to do it in context to their own population.
2: All right. And I think you bring up, um, I think you bring up like one of the scenarios where, that just you know popped into my head what is wrong with changing like is there anything wrong with changing approaches yeah there are scenarios where changing is wrong right where it doesn't make sense whether you know it the approach that you're taking doesn't fit for your church but I was also thinking like you could have an you can change an approach that makes sense that will that'll be good for your church. Um but if your members aren't willing to change or they don't have the capacity to follow through with that change Right. And then you're halfway and you're stuck in limbo. And now like you've got this, you know, dumpster fire, you know, in your church and you've got like, you know, you've got this entire mess that, that, you know, just is is taking so much to clean up. Maybe that's just, you know, maybe you just have to just ride out whatever you're doing and just, you know, wait for divine intervention to like, take you a different path because yeah. Uh, I, like before, I mean a, a couple of years ago, uh, NCD, um, I can't remember what it's called but it's basically like um it's it's seeing the health of your church it was like this this um like a, a personality test for your church to see what's working what's what's not natural which is church natural development. church development that's right ncd right it was all the rage right uh and it was good that maybe you figured out like you know what you're not doing so well and then what you are doing so well but if you're not willing to do anything about it, which I know there's a couple of churches that don't do anything, that didn't do anything about it, or they've tried to, and they just didn't want to do it, then where are you then? What are you doing? You spent money on trying to do this, this diagnostic on you and nobody's doing anything about it, right? Is that, you know, is that really a good stewardship of your time and your resources stuff like that so yeah there are i think there are scenarios where changing approaches doesn't make sense but as we've said if it makes sense and it's logical and you can you know and then and you know it'll make your 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 thing better off than where you are right now then yeah do it
0: yeah but so why are people what do you guys think people are so reluctant to change
1: Familiarity and status quo. Yeah,
2: I could. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want to echo that. Like um, with yeah. a quote with one of my professors, he said something like, uh, "I I'm know I'm no one going to mess this up, but in order to in order to change, like something, like to get a church to change, the uh, the pain that's the pain to change must be less than the ch- than the pain to stay the same." Mm. does that make sense that makes so sense. yeah so like it has to be it has to be like what you're doing right now has to be worse off than what you're going to experience when you change because you, when you change there's there's struggle involved in it right there's going to be pain people aren't going to see eye to eye they're going to step on each other's toes you know people's Peters are going to be going all the way off and, and annoy somebody or insult somebody right mm. uh, there's pain that's a lot that's going to be there but if and if you're trying to change that, if they're comfortable in their in their in their in their own pain, and it's not and the pain to change is is more than what they're used to, they're not going to do anything.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, like I'm just going to double echo whatever's been said so far. <laughs> um, like <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that like comfortability, right? If you're comfortable, like why that like why move, right? I'm seated. I don't have to do much, you know, just, I just spectate. That's okay. Right. That does that need to change. Maybe. Um, but, but it's comfortable. And, I th- and it's just in our human brokenness, it's a brokenness. We, we kind of like tend to navigate into this place of comfortability when God calls us to be in a place of uncomfortability. And so um, that, that tends to happen a lot. And, With, like, the status quo, like, yeah, like, in our sinful brokenness, in our churches, and in our brokenness, we've established some kind of hierarchy. It doesn't even need to be in terms of leadership, but it it happens mostly with leadership, right? Like, oh, I'm elder. I'm so powerful. Oh, like, I get the word. I get the last word i don't know oh i'm part of this ministry this ministry is better than your ministry uh like oh we do this this better way than we do it better than your way like oh i don't think you did the other way and then like then when you talk about finances oh that's a big like explosion right there and then it's not even that it's with families so it's like the families that have the biggest clans in the church also create some kind of power division and and so everyone's comfortable in that because like the, they're comfortable in that because they have the power, and it just it echoes that echoes to me like stuff along the lines of like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, like at the, if you if you read at the end of Matthew or I think it was Mark, I remember. But well, like the fact that the Pharisees did end up knowing that Jesus was really like the Son of God, they they still rejected him. They still rejected him. They they still decided to 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 pay someone to tell like, oh, it was all fake. It was not real. It didn't happen. Jesus didn't raise from the dead, et cetera. His body was stolen, whatever, right? Like, like, I think that just, that it's, it's to protect their like status. They want to still keep that power status. They want to still be up there. They want to be above somebody. Uh, they want to have the last word. And it's, it's so sinfully broken fully, if that's a word, natural for us to fall into those two places. Uh, and I think those are like, two big, super big ones that really drive us to not change or adapt.
3: True. Um, I just want to mention two things. Um, I think people or churches are so reluctant to adapt or to change because they only want to see the finished product, but they don't want to do mm. the work. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah,
3: yeah. um and I guess the second thing that I want to say is like referring to Claire Allen's point earlier about members not wanting to change where does change like where does that um who who initiates the change is it supposed to come from the top of the church leadership is it from the bottom what do you guys think
2: Mark do you want to take that one
0: most mostly it will come from the top Mm-hmm. Um, like leadership will always, I mean, they should always evaluate uh, what's going on, how's our numbers, um, what's working and what's not working. Okay, so if this is not working, then we need to do this. We need mm-hmm. to do something different. Uh, we need to do, you know, like new music. We need to have lights. We need to improve mm-hmm. our production uh, value. Um so that will always come, not always, but like that most of the time it comes from leadership.
2: Yeah, and I, I think there, you know, you'll have instances where, where people are just so passionate that they, that, you know, um, the movement that they make, the choices that they do, the people that they talk to, they start to gravitate towards them because they do a process called vision casting. Yeah. Right. They're like, yeah. oh, what about this? What about this? There's a whole bunch of like organizational, sort of like secular organizational um mm-hmm. processes, how to do like these things that 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 you know churches are starting to adopt. And, and I was taught them in seminary and I totally forgot about them. But if so, if you know, if you're one of my professors and you're listening to this, like at some point, sorry, don't <laughs> take it personally. Uh but I just I mean there's like the vision casting and brainstorming and you know. Gathering sort of like resources, there's a process to 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 change that's there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you'll have people that that that'll see there's there's something that's not sitting well with them, and so they will adopt they'll they'll adopt that and then go and then going back to sort of like is there I mean why do you think that people are so reluctant to adapt? There is that curve that organizational curve where you've got like early adopters, you got bandwagoners, you got like people that, that come in, and then there you've got the ones that just don't want to do nothing, mm-hmm. right? They just want to keep it the way that is because that's the way they've always done it. You know, that's the way that they like it or they're, and or they're scared of the future, mm-hmm. right? What it's going to mean. And they don't want to step out of that, which, you know, I understand where they're coming from, right? You know, some things are yep. scary. You don't want to do it. So I don't want to like, poo poo on them but at the same time you know you know there there are there's a percentage of people that just will not do it there's a percentage of people that that are waiting for the early adopters and the pioneers to go first and to see that it works before they do something right before they jump on the bandwagon right and there's just people that just catch the vision and they just go yep right um and so there's a whole organizational thing that i wish i could come up with and say to you yeah but i'm not that smart so
0: uh: Yeah, you said something, and I think like it's a big idea, like when it comes to this, it's just like the fear of the unknown.: Yeah. Um, people don't like entertaining the idea of just venturing out um, mm-hmm. into something that they don't know, uh, because they've been so comfortable in the way that they've been doing things, and then like you all of a sudden bring this new thing like that I don't know about I'm not I'm not down for that um, yeah so that's why I think like people um also yeah. another thing would be i guess like this the sense of high theology i think like maybe we can talk about that more in another podcast but uh high theology is this notion that something is inherently better than other methods so so let's say like with the music wars, like hymn, high theology would be saying, oh, since hymns are so old and we've been singing it, it's much better than contemporary mm. music. Mm-hmm. So I think like people have that notion that what we've been doing and the way that our pioneers have been worshiping is what's holier than... The modern stuff that's coming out now, so like liturgy, like this long liturgy where we stand up and sit and stand up and sit, is like was brought down from the angels.
2: It's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And, and contemporary music, that's the, the music. The is, is that's the least the in the devil. kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. Right. So mm. I think like that's another thing that hinders people from changing. It's just this view that. One method is holier than
1: another. Yeah. Uh, Arwen, could you repeat that question that you asked earlier? Because I have a lot of thoughts, but that I I just I'm, got, it's all jumbled. Uh, I don't organize it.
3: Yeah. Like, like where where does uh, the initiation of change? Where come is it from, supposed yeah. to come from? Is it from supposed to come from the top oh, okay. down, or you know, from the bottom up? Just because, like, I, I, I like, I'll, I'll just give an example. Like, there was a time where uh, a church wanted to move um, locations, oh. caused a whole fiasco. That came from top up. I mean, top, top down. Which, um, uh, you know, just some church, <laughs> right? Just and some then, random um, church. To be honest, I don't even know what happened to that plan, and it was like it caused such a, such a dumb rift, like. Just in hindsight, and that church is still where it is until now. Mm. They're not moving, they're probably doing a church renovation. Which question mark, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I guess on the other side, another example is you know, there's so many things that people from the bottom want to change, but then the, the people from the top they're so reluctant because it came from like an outside view, like it's not, um. You know is not their denominations view or they're not used yeah. to it it came from another denomination so it's like uh i'm not too sure if we want to go into that approach and adopt their philosophies mm-hmm. theologies etc and so on
1: okay mm. that's wild yeah that's i think that's where like you need a lot of wisdom in navigating for sure. Yeah, not a lot of wisdom for sure. <laughs> not for a lot of wisdom sure. for That's sure. That's a good gift to have, um, man.
2: It's a good call,
1: I, and dude. It, and it's a lot <laughs> because I think um, there, there has to be a lot of ground for either one top uh, during the – yeah, people who are at the top and people who are at the bottom, I think – like ultimately everyone has to play a role into the change. Uh, Leaders Mm, need to play a role into the change and the members also need to be able to play a a significant role as change. Mm -hmm. And I know of like being in especially Filipino churches or Filipino cultures, uh, it's super challenging because like there's this also sense of like, oh, pastor will pray for us, you know, pastor will do this pastor will do that pastor will do this come to our child dedication they, it's just pastor does everything and um uh-huh. and i feel like that that's <laughs> that's hard for the pastor uh, and so the, i think in those in those places i think this is where like yeah the members could step up right uh, obviously, yeah. obviously they're not ordained to do significant like like these these types of like roles of like in the, like leading out a child dedication or a baptism but the to step step into roles like leading out a small group or a Bible study or to be able to facilitate this or that or to feed into the lives of the people around them. Uh, I think that they can play a more active role into that. But also, I think there's, although everyone can be doing that, even the the leaders as well, I think the leaders carry almost a lot of weight, Um, not just by the people who put it on them, but I think they're, but biblically, I think spiritually, like, with leaders have a lot of responsibilities on their hands similar to i would i would akin that to like a, a parent and child um if the child's not you know responding well to the parent i would i would i would say then it's like the parent they it's it, people would question like oh did the parent raise them right <laughs> will the parent raise them well, uh, not well right um and i think that plays a, a super big factor into that um well i try to I have so much thoughts. I cannot explain it, but it's just the simplest way. Uh, But um, I think what I just wanted to drive down with with is is that um, I think it's so important for, yeah, leaders to be vision casting. Uh, It's super important for leaders to be engaged with their members' lives. Uh, And the, 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 the growth of a church really is pretty dependent on how, of the leaders navigate the things because leaders are the ones who come together, pray, dis- discern what does God, how does God want to lead this group? And if that's not present, then the, the group is not going to go anywhere. If you look at across history right now, I'm like exploring like Roman Greek cultures right now. I'm kind of looking at Asterian and uh, <laughs> and Babylonian cultures right now. They all need leaders. They need leaders who will step up to the plate and leaders who are able to share their vision to, uh, to their, their, their crew, their leadership crew, who will evidently share that to the members or their their population of people and so that everyone can have the same like mindset right and I think that's what's important If the leaders can set a mindset um into a church, then I think the church can move. but if the leaders fail to do that, then it's hard to expect members to be able to step up because there's nothing to step up to when there's nothing set for them to step into mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to add on to your thing, my bad. Um, uh, Just
3: adding on to what you said about uh, the vision casting and like leadership and stuff, I think um, the missing component is communication.
2: Uh, Yeah, totally. Because
3: uh, if leaders aren't going to talk to the rest of the congregation, asking them, what do we need to change as a church? Nothing's gonna happen. And at the same time, if the members don't voice out what they're missing or what they're lacking, then the leaders are not gonna know any better as well.
2: And you know, and on top of that, there has to be like humility and, and a trust within, you know, that that church because you know you have to you you have to trust that whoever's saying something is not attacking you. Mm. Right. Uh, and that, you know, there's a, a sense of, even if there is, there has to be like a sense of maturity, particularly from the leader's aspect, you know, to handle those sort of things and just keep going and being patient with one another. Right. Uh, one of my professors, and I'm paraphrasing here, said that during those situations, you pray, you pray that God will either bring those people along or bring those people out. Right. One of those two. Right, Because mm. they're either they're, <laughs> they're either going to come along with you or they're going to stay in your way, and you're asking God to take them out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right? there, there definitely needs to be buy-in from the majority of the members.
2: Yeah, I mean, because these leaders, uh it's not you know you're not uh, as a leader, you're not afforded this by divine r- right in the sense that you know there's this succession, and you know it's, it's whatever, like there's like this this legal authority that you have over people the authority that, that leaders have within a church setting is borrowed authority, right? They're given authority by the, by the members of the church, right? It's based on the trust that they have that whoever's in leadership has vision, has uh, maturity, has, has wisdom to take them where they want to go, where they need to go, right? And so when you're, when I, who said, it? I think it was Jed that was saying it, uh, that leaders have a lot of responsibility. Yeah, they do. Right? Because, you know, it's, it's given to them. They, they, have to do, they have to deal with and manage the expectations and the, and the um, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, they want to go along with you, right? You have to manage all that as a leader.
0: Mm, yeah. All right. So what used to work and doesn't anymore? Any ideas? Whatever they
2: did to keep the youth in church.
3: Uh-huh. Wild. It's, it's
2: just not. It's just not. Where I mean, the the statistics are out there. You just you can't, And we all see it. Like uh, all of us see it. Like uh, all of Christendom sees this, right? All these mm. polls that get pulled out. You you see that the you know the the average age of each of each church is growing, right? There's like the average age in in the Western culture is like what sixty five, something crazy like that right uh you know there's something that's clearly we're not we're not addressing right mm-hmm. and we all know it we all see it we all talk about it we just we haven't been able to you know i don't know get something going that yep. way as a whole i mean obviously there's still young people in the church and they're still active and they're still yep. doing things but by by and large there's they're leaving by yep. the droves.
1: Mm-hmm. uh I think what I want to say is not necessarily like it's more like on a perspective kind of attitude thing, working kind of thing. What I mean is that like what doesn't work is blaming the outside. Uh, what works is considering how, what, what is like, how did you like, what had, what is your involvement into some stuff that happens in the church? So oh like, God. with let, let's say with like leaving like youth, leaving the church uh, growing up, I always I always hear stories of like, oh, they left the church because, you know, the world is so attractive. They It draws them closer to the world, right? These movies, these music, and look, the drinking and the drugs, they're, those stuff are the ones that drive people away from church or sex and everything, like all that. Like the world is so appealing that it, they're, that's the driving factor because they're involved in those things. Um, but to, so I think, that, i don't know if it's just me, but I always felt like the, like the church that I grew up in always casts the blame on the world when strangely enough like what 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 should work is um really focusing on like how is the how is the church part of the problem what is how is the church maybe the the factor and why you're driving the youth out of the church. It's more so the latter than the former. I, I the Speaking to people who don't go to church anymore, is because the church hurt them. It's because people, the members have like hurt their families, have caused a lot of rifts in their families and said really bad things. And then they're like, I don't want this anymore. But yet the church then does not want to take responsibility, but wants to cast the responsibility on the world. Uh, so I think that can't work anymore. That's yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I I think like I posted something on Twitter once and I, I, I said, um, like people leaving the church isn't a reflection of like what the world is, but what the church isn't.
3: That mm. was recently, man, like a month ago or something.
0: No, that was like. A year ago or something. Unless you retweeted, it. Unless you retweeted it. No, I don't retweet, retweet myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, it, the, you know, like, people don't leave because, like, the world is more attractive. Mm-hmm. They leave because the church is less attractive. Right. So, it's like, really, we, we need to step up and ask ourselves, like, what did we do wrong? Like, how can we do better to just keep the young people here? So,
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: yeah. Uh, You go, go, man. I mean, my thing is short, but you can go. No, go. Do it. Uh, I think for me, what used to work and what doesn't anymore are... um, I don't know what the term, the right term is, but like... uh, Ethnic churches, Um, Yeah, I think they used to work because of community, um, especially um, people coming into the country brand new. They don't know anybody but except for the same nationality as them, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a perfect way as well for newcomers to reintegrate themselves into the Canadian society or American society wherever you are. Um, but yeah, it used to definitely work, and that's how you created um, a strong foundation and just friendships when you're here and the rest of your family's back home, wherever back home is. Um, but yeah, now it's does it doesn't work because you have pretty much I th- the way I've seen it is that the lines of um, culture and theology are blurred.
1: Mm.
0: Yep.
3: So uh, I don't know if you want me to expand on it, but it's like oh, it's a good example. If you guys can help me out, you're more than welcome to. Um, a good example is uh, respecting one's thoughts versus you're disrespecting them because they're older than you. Mm-hmm. Like, like just because they're older and you don't agree with them, you're disrespecting them because of... Uh, a cultural mm-hmm. thing, whether, you know, it's not, it's nothing theological. It's
1: just. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I get it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's what, I think like yeah, ethnic cultural churches are really like, really are really spicy stuff to, to talk about. Cause I, it's, it's so hard. Cause like I see the benefits, but also like, my personal choice would be involved in a group or church that is diversified um ethnically diversified ethnically um just because i believe each each like ethnic group um receives the gospel in different ways um it could be because we have different cultural frames right And we have different cultural lenses and and like let's think of them as like literally like glasses that we wear on. Right. We, for us, like we're Filipino. So we have a Filipino lens growing up. Right. But other people have like European lens or maybe they have British lens or maybe they have, you know, uh, Spanish lens. So like, it's just like, just different perspectives. Uh, and I think each one beautifully, uh, kind of like highlights and brings out the gospel in different ways. And to keep yourself absent from absent from that um is really hard um and I think it's i think it in the beginning uh i know there's some Filipino churches that I know that were established in the early nineties right or in the early eighties um or late eighties sorry um I think the time the times that we live in have been kind of like easily meshed with terms of cultures right because it's it's i don't know it is i don't know what i'm saying hold on i don't think there's a i think there's a different we I think we live in a different time period now i think back then people were still immigrating from wherever they came from to here i think there's still that whole process right uh but now i feel like there's a huge population of each kind of like cultural group um mm, here in canada mm. and i think now it's like, like from know, different decades exactly yeah oh, okay okay i guess yeah so I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see like a diverse supply church which there are um I, yeah yeah I, I could see how admitting is- yourself from other cultures would be would be really tough uh, i know for filipino mindset i just kind of reiterate some of the um filipino racism aspects too uh okay. like right, and I'm gonna be bladed out there, mm-hmm. like some of the racism out there is like uh like sure, black people are loud, it's stuff like that, or any people are spicy, like it's just like I hate that <laughs> and and, and, and <laughs> i I'll leave it at that uh and i I don't like that because then it's it really comes from not being around them as much mm-hmm. um or not growing with them as much um so, uh,
3: is that even racism, it's like also. Prejudice,
1: right? Yeah,
2: yeah. There's an element in prejudice, right? In prejudice, right? Stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> By Jane Austen. Yeah,
2: yeah. All of that is mixed together, right? Your prejudice against other people, uh, and so that manifests like it, it festers and it grows into you know, or it mutates into full blown, like you know. Despising and racism, you know, re- despising somebody and, and one of the easiest ways to, to pick on somebody is the visible aspects of them, right? And color is one of the most visible aspects about a person, right? So all of that's there.
1: Yeah.
0: I think, I think what used to work but doesn't anymore is this sort of impersonal evangelism. That used to be done by the church. So whether it's like glow tracks, like going in the subway to just hand out, you know, pamphlets, or going door to door, um, going you know people's places, or having big tent meetings, uh, evangelism, and okay, like just a disclaimer: we're talking about like the North American society, like the North American culture. Like this can very well work in another. Country, like let's say, like you know, Kenyans get like you know, somewhere in like the continent of Africa, when we hear about evangelism, thousands get you know converted. Um, whether they stay is another conversation, but uh, here in North America, um, sort of impersonal evangelism doesn't work anymore. Um, and I think like a big part of that is because people want to be known right and people want to feel like they're they are treasured or they are wanted and they belong um and they don't get that if you're just like handing tracks also it doesn't work because there's this better idea of not better idea but like a uh, you know, like more informed society where people have or heard of the way that Christians act. So before, when Christianity was like booming in North America, um, people would just be converted by door-to-door or glow tracks uh, because, you know, like Christians weren't uh, notorious for doing like bad things on the news. Um, Well, now in the age of social media, um, Christians out there are tweeting and it seems like the loudest ones are the worst ones. So like people, the experiences of people with Christians are not so great. And so when people hand them out, hand them stuff and pamphlets or glow tracks or go to their houses or invite them for a big tent meeting, um, they're more inclined to say no now because they have like those experiences of other Christians or they've heard of things from other about other Christians, and so those things don't work anymore. What works is maybe like a more personal evangelism uh, where you bring a friend.
2: And for me, that, that, that used to work but doesn't work anymore was um, outreach, outreach as a vehicle to evangelism, mm. right? Um, yeah. You know, Jesus meeting people's needs and then he bade them come and, and all that goodness. Um, I think it used to work when, when people would see, oh, wow, this people, person helped me out. There's like this debt to that, that group that helped you out Right. And it's still there. But I think that the way that our society is set up with consumerism, where you can start shopping here and there, where you can just take whatever you, you know, where you can just take whatever you want and then move on to the next thing. They'll just take your resources and then just move on. Right. It's not because you're inherently good. Right. Like there's no there's no other options out there. Yeah. Some of like there are Muslims that are good. There are Buddhists that are good. Right, there's all types of different I mean there are, there are humanists that are good, all types of different, you know, sort of walks of life. You know, they're good, right? Obviously you're going to get bad, right? Or or people that are, you know, have evil in their thoughts, but there's there's large groups in you know of people that are good in each sort of like section and sector that we have in you know in north america particularly since you know we are a multicultural type of you know continent or at least for the for the u.s and, and for canada right so i don't think that's a draw anymore that used to be but i don't think it's as, as effective as it used to be um just because other people have different options, right? They take what they can get. I mean, they take what you give them and, and that's it. And not only that, sometimes it, it, it works against you in a two-edged sword. Like we were talking last podcast, um, you know, you do outreach with this desired with this end game that you're going to try to proselytize people. And, you know, they see it, they know it. There's a hook that's attached to it. And if it's free, if you're just doing it out of the kindness, out of your heart, there's a catch to it right
3: mm, yeah
2: so not only do you the problem is, is that people buy into buy into the whole outreach and we'll get them they'll they'll join us like it's some kind of validation right they'll join us if we do this and when they don't their faith gets hurt right they've done all these things and they're expecting things in return but that's not what the bible is telling us the bible tells us look whatever your left hand is doing don't let don't let the right hand know what it's, you know what's up, what's up right do good because it's good mm-hmm. right don't do good because you're trying to hook somebody into your church and get them on the praise team or get them on the welcoming committee
0: get them right? in a podcast get
2: them in a podcast <laughs> But do good so you can grow your faith knowing that, you know, you've done what God or what Jesus asked you to do, which is to love your neighbor. Right. Don't do don't do good with this intention in mind that, you know, there's this underhanded intention in mind that you're trying to to manipulate them into your into your way of thinking. And people just don't respond to that anymore. They've seen, like, they've seen, and they've heard horror stories of people that just get like sucked in and, and whatever. And what, as Jed said, there, you know, people get hurt in the church because we are not, we aren't perfect. We all know this. We've gone through this, this, uh, this conversation before, right? People say stuff. People do things that step on each other's toes. They interfere with one another, right? So trying to get them in on some kind of hook, maybe, you know, because you know, your worship you know your worship songs are so much like you know so comforting and so whatever like the others and when it's not when you move on to a different type of music and this and this group doesn't move from that or they try to be more like you know whatever secular band that's out there and it doesn't flow with you you leave right because your relationship i mean the reason why you're there isn't centered on Christ it's centered on because it's a place for you to, for you to belong which is good but once that's going, maybe you leave or you're interested because the, the music's good. And when it's not, maybe you leave, right? Or you love the preaching and when that person goes away or, they're, or they get caught up in a scandal or they, you know, they retired or whatever, then they leave, right? It's not based on this drawing that, that Jesus has called them to, to, to do and they've responded to it, Right? And so I, I, I think that's, that's sort of like my pet peeve on, on that aspect of
0: it. I like it.
3: <laughs> Sorry, can I just add one more thing? You don't have to respond back to it. But I think um, certain ministries don't, don't work anymore.
1: I'll
0: just leave it at that.
1: We can go on to the next question. <laughs> oh, there's so much to talk about. Non-essential ministry. Yeah, for real,
3: for real. Um, but yeah, let's let's go to the next question, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a conversation <laughs> um, on its own. Yeah. People can
3: talk about it on their own.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about it. In, in the comment section below. Yeah,
0: there's just there's just so many things that used to work um, in past generations that don't now mm-hmm. because naturally things change, Uh, people change, like values of society change. Uh, I was listening to Tim Keller, um, not Tim Keller, like an interview of Kerry Newhoff. Like he was interviewing Tim Keller. It's one of the best episodes uh, from Kerry Newhoff, by the way. Um, And he was just saying like the way that you communicate the gospel now to Gen Z and millennials was different to the way that you communicate the the gospel um to Tim keller's generation, uh, whereas like Tim keller's generation or past generations needed to hear the gospel from the side of um, Jesus will free you from your sins or with what's wrong with you um he he will give you freedom um, now you communicate the gospel to Jez Ed and millennials in the way of identity. Like how does the gospel um, give you identity and like the real identity that you're like, striving towards? Uh, because that's what really matters to like the people now. Their identity, that's what they're looking for. That's what they're longing for is to find um, their significance in the whole, the bigger Society and to make an impact, so they need to hear the gospel in terms of how Jesus will fulfill your longing for an identity yeah so there's just so many things um, that the church has been doing that might not necessarily work now in the North American culture
2: for me the one of the biggest uh, things that i wanna wanted to explore because i i can't i can't say that this is works because i don't know every you know every church that is out there, but yeah. the whole idea of of it takes the village to raise you know a child you know i I think that our churches uh you know some churches that are out there have made a conscious effort to to help sort of like um families move from from transition to transition, right? From kids to you know, from marriage and kids and 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 helping them, uh, helping them grow. Because um, sort of going back to the youth thing, right? Uh, I don't know if there's been enough emphasis. Let me just put it this way: I think we l- we're losing the battle at home. Mm, yeah, um, I think that's where I think that's where it starts. I think that's where we get attacked. I think that's where we haven't put enough resources. Uh, and enough emphasis at what goes on at home, right um, Yeah. because as much as you want to say that your kids, hey, your kids spend you know almost as much time in school as, as you know they do at home you're still a family that's still your parents, that's still your brother, that's still your sister, right they, you know there's a lot of influence that are, that's there. Those are the fa- those are the people that are supposed to accept you regardless of what happens and what choices that you make. Right. That's supposed to be the safe place. That's supposed to be the place where you where you learn how to grow and 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 develop your thoughts. There are, you know, scientific um, studies that, you know, that talk about how children develop their habits by an early age. By the age of 12, I think it said or by the age of nine, I think 66 percent of of an individual's um, habits and character are already formed. Right. And so that younger portion that's huge right but it's more than just the children's program that's there Right. it's more than just you know the apps that you that you that you develop and have families like whatever there has to be connection within there has to be strong bonds within the family unit that i think you know that is that is low-key under attack by the enemy right and that we're not you know, we're not addressing enough. We're not, we're not talking about it. We're not whatever, because people don't want to deal with, with whatever is happening at, happening at home. There's a stigma to say that if you don't have everything that's happening at home, you're not a good Christian, right? You don't have it all together, right? You're supposed to do that, especially if you're an elder. That's how you get into an eldership. You have to be able to, to control and, and to have, like, you know, whatever, dominion over your household, right? Keep it under control. And when you don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to say anything. And I get it because, hey, I'm like that. I don't want to show that I don't got it. Mm. Uh, that's embarrassing. That speaks to me as a parent. That speaks to me as as a husband, right? If there's feelings there. And so I don't, I don't know how to address it, but I know that there are some churches that are out there that put a lot of effort into growing, growing families, especially when the kids, that when they get to that age where now they're asking questions, now they're, they're wondering whether the cultural things that they've talked about, and let's not kid ourselves, when you come through Sunday school and when you come through Sabbath school, that's a cultural thing that you're being taught. It's the culture of your church. And when you get to an older stage in life, when you get to high school, when you get to uh, post-secondary, when you get to college or university, and you have to now decide what it is that you it's your thing, right? Maybe if it's not as strong, uh, it doesn't make sense to you when you're younger. You just went along with it because that's what you were told to do, right? Why wouldn't you leave and explore something else that's out there that maybe works for you? Yeah, it works for my parents, but maybe not for me and so i would like to see more emphasis placed upon the family unit itself and it's really hard because pe- like some people don't want to crack open their world for other people to get involved in right cuz as we said people hurt each other right and so yeah I-, I don't know which one you do first there's a chicken and egg thing happening here do you let them in uh, knowing that you you might get hurt or do you you know or do you close off waiting for like good leaders to become good so that you can let them in to your home yeah. like things it. that used to work but don't things <laughs> but that
0: used yeah. to work.
2: <laughs> but i think there are some churches that have, that have got it and i just know i know yeah. they're out there i just don't know where they are
0: <laughs> yeah And what works definitely is research. So, uh, if, like, I just want to say to the churches out there if you're planning to implement change, research, like, what your church needs and what um, your church can do and what resources you have. Research, research, research. And that should always be um, in the forefront of things. Um, You don't want to just you know, it's a biblical principle, right? Like Jesus was, Jesus said, if you are going to war, like you're going to count. Yeah, make sure you count.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing good happens without the Holy Spirit. You have to have them lead them, have them lead your, your, your church or else you're not going anywhere or it's not going to end it off. Well, right. There is that aspect, but the other aspect is, well, you got
0: to do your part as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Yeah. Uh, I think that's the end of the episode. And we hope that you're blessed. I really like that episode. I really, I really like that discussion. I like it. Thumbs up. Yeah. And I just want to like put it out there that we don't mean to just criticize. Um, it's in our hearts to make the church better. And it's in our hearts to like bring as much people to Christ as possible evangelism Um, but yeah I really like that and uh, we thank you all for joining us in this episode and we hope that whatever was discussed has been enlightening and has helped with equipping you all in your respective ministries as always uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Prodigals Pod and if you like us and want to listen to other episodes? Just type in the Prodigals Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, or any other uh, podcast that uh, podcasting app that you like to listen to. And if you like us, and that's a big if, mm-hmm. uh, please—it's
2: no, not. It's not that big. An if.
0: Please subscribe and follow us exactly. so that you can always be up to date with our episodes. We're here every Wednesday, and yeah, so just tune out for that. But wait there's more there's more (laughs) if you if you could do so and if you have the time um, and only if you want to uh, please leave us a rating and a review Uh, that way we are able to reach more people out there in the world and that's all we have for you today so stay blessed and stay faithful and join us next week for another episode of the Prodigals Podcast
3: The Prodigals